Hello and welcome to another episode of Podpit, the podcast about podcasts, and I'm your host, George Grimwood. The Los Angeles Podcast Festival, LA Podfest, 2016 will mark the fifth year for the festival, and on both occasions in which I attended, in 2013 and this year, in 2015, if you're listening to this when it's gone up, I've had a fantastic time. The festival, like podcasting as a whole, brings the talent and the audience together. A solid sense of community, and a clear-cut cross-pollinization, or, and I apologise in advance, cross-poddinization, of hosts and guests. By that, I mean you'll often find not just the host of a podcast appearing as a guest on another show, but also the audience, for the most part, listen to a fair selection of these shows. And by extension, at the festival, people bond over these common interests. And over three days, you see a perfect illustration as to why podcasting is not just a medium for communication, it's a medium for community. Dave Anthony is a co-founder of LA PodFest, as well as the host of The Dollop, alongside Gareth Reynolds, a bi-weekly historical podcast in which Dave researches some of the most fascinating and strangest but rarely heard about dollops of American history and relays the story to Gareth. If you haven't heard it yet, after you've listened to this episode, go to the dollop.libsyn.com and tuck in. Dave was also the co-host of Walking the Room with Greg Berent, a rare example of a podcast which ended on its own terms, the archive of which is all readily available to check out via www.walkingtheroom.com. So, on a sweltering Sunday in Los Angeles, a week after the festival, I headed to Musso and Frank Grill on Hollywood Boulevard to meet Dave for a chat about podcasting. But it turns out Musso and Frank is closed on Sundays, so we headed down the road to the Luteria Grill instead. Dave, hi. Hi. How are you doing? <laughs> Good, well. Well. Here we are located in a Mexican restaurant on Hollywood yep. Boulevard. And um, after finding that the original restaurant was closed. <laughs> yes. Which was a bit awkward. But in the week that this is recorded, uh, we had Los Angeles PodFest, mm-hmm. fourth year. Yeah. How'd it go? It was awesome this year. Uh, you can is the first year we saw a lot of people talking about it online, so feel, it feels like it was sort of out there in the community a little bit more than it had been in the past, you know? And you had a live stream this time. We had a live stream. GoDaddy, not a good company to be associated with. <laughs> and they're not a sponsor of our show either, so it's fine. It's all good. Yeah, they kind of screwed us pretty bad. But uh, it, I think a lot of people still were able to see it. And, and then people can go back a month after and watch all the shows anyway. So if anybody missed anything, they can still watch yeah, the podcast. So it's okay. And you were involved with two shows directly, Walking the Room and the Dollop. Yeah, Walking the Room and the Dollop. Yeah, a reunion and then a... Just my regular new podcast. How did you find coming back to Walking the Room after a break of it? It was interesting. Uh, I mean, it's always fun to do shows with Greg, you know. So, uh, yeah, it was it was interesting because we had, we have like this diehard or we had this like diehard group of people that went to all of our shows and they weren't there anymore. But there was still a like a big audience. So it was kind of cool. Yeah. And did you find that? In that respect, there's a greater sense of community as the years have gone by with the PodFest. Yeah, um, it's it's really interesting. We're getting a lot of people who have met, you know, the first couple of years, and now they come out and they'll share a room, and and they'll and people now meet up and just they know each other just from the festival. So it's it's kind of cool. And um, in terms of the evolution of the PodFest, uh, when at what point did 
do you find that everyone was coming together to to make it happen? What was sort of the evolution of that? Well, so the first year, it was like, do you want to wait for this to go by? Well, that's the atmosphere. <laughs> my my ride, sir. <laughs> the first the first year, it, uh, it was interesting because it was a lot of people coming alone and hanging out and not really talking or communicating with each other. And then the second year, people started to like, oh, you were here last year. And then they started meeting up and talking. And the first year also, uh, the f- shows didn't really take it that seriously. They were like, oh, you're doing a thing. I'll do it as a favor. And now they really want to do it. So if you've watched this sort of transition of like in the podcasting world, it's becoming something. And then and then with the audience of the podcast, it's really becoming something like they're you can see they're talking about it to each other online a lot more and very excited about it. So it's yeah, it's pretty cool. And with that sense of community in mind, have you found that there's a growing, there's an increase in that sense of community in terms of the dollop in the same way that you had with Walking the Room, those diehard fans, diehard dollop fans? You mean just diehard like podcast fans coming? Uh, or, or, or with the dollop. Or with the dollop? Yeah. I don't, I, it's hard to tell. Uh, I, know, I know there are a few diehard fans there, but the funny thing is, is they also seem to be diehard fans of other podcasts. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, there are definitely people there that that are diehards that I I've, I've started to see a, a a lot at at live shows, or they're contacting me online all the time. So there's definitely a, a group of hardcore fans. Yeah, I can understand that it would be quite difficult to put together the schedule when there's so much demand and there's so much of a cross pollination of yes. audiences. It's really hard. I mean, there's always people complaining. Why did you put those three shows at the same time? And it's like, well, there's always going to be someone. Yeah. He likes his three shows, and that's why we, we do the archive. So if you were there and you missed it, you can go back and, and watch the ones you missed. But, yeah, there's, there's, it's always going to be a problem at a festival, you know. Is there a, any particular podcast? I suppose you're not really allowed to single one out, but is there any particular podcast that you wanted to see that you didn't get the chance to see? That, yeah, that we wanted there? Yeah. Uh, definitely. We, we've tried to get Nerdist. We really want Nerdist to come. Uh, there's a few here and there. You know, you always... Uh, how did this get made is one we've uh, always tried to get and haven't been able to, but it's, you know, the one thing is, is there, a lot of them are comedians. Yeah. So they get a gig and, uh, well, a lot of them, we figured out a way for them, a lot of them to make money this year. So, um, but a lot of them in the past have bailed cause they, they, we couldn't pay them yet. This is the first year we've actually set it up so we could pay them hopefully more than they would make on the road. So they don't bail, but a lot of, a lot of comedians just will take that road gig if it comes up and they're gone. What, what's your experience with the monetizing side of podcasting? Do you find that it's, that's something that people are beginning to become more aware of rather than it just being a hobby? It's now something that can now be an actual full-time profession. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people making a lot of money now. It's, it's pretty interesting. Even, even I'm always surprised when I talk to a podcast. I'm like, oh, you're making that much money? Yeah, it just, there's so many different ways to make it through merch and selling uh, you can sell shows if you want. Uh, you can do live shows. Uh, donations is a big thing. So there's a ton ton of ways to make money now, and, and people are definitely making good money doing it. Do you find that with merchandise as well, there's a bit of a room for variation in terms of what you can sell, what you can put out there, and, and, and kind of beyond... So, for example, I don't know if this is... I can't, can I reveal it yet? or Which? The, the book? 
Yeah, you could probably yeah. yeah. So we're working on a book for the dollop. Uh, yeah, th- yeah. There's a ton. There's a ton of different ways to merchandise. Um, I, I we have never done a book before, so we don't know if that'll actually lead to any money. Um, but there are certain things that will make more money. I one of my favorite stories is uh, one guy. He was a relatively popular podcast. He t- told me the first year of the festival. I was like, "Are you going to bring any merch?" And he goes. He goes, well, I bought a 1,000 uh, coffee cups. That's the first thing I bought, and no one buys them. So I'm just stuck with all these coffee cups. And so there's definitely stuff you can buy yeah. that people aren't going to want. And it's yeah. that thing with the T-shirts, isn't it? That, uh, always makes T-shirts it- and posters, I yeah. think, are the, are the best things you can sell. But, like, Jackie Cation does, like, all these little knick-knack, like little things that she'll sell for 2 or $3, and that's how she makes most of her money. It's kind of interesting. Like, everyone has... Everyone has different audiences, and those audiences will buy different... Look, there's a guy with a bird on his shoulder um, ringing a bell on a bike. So that happened. And in Los Angeles. <laughs> and he, lo- he was definitely looking for attention. Uh, so there's a million ways to... A million different things you can sell and a million different ways to make money. Like Walking the Room, we used to always sell the live shows. And, and those still sell, even though the podcast is done. Like People will go in and buy that, that catalog. So it's interesting. And in regards to live shows, of course, just did a trip to Australia? Did a trip to Australia. Uh, we did six cities. Wait, one, two, three, four, five, six. Six cities. Uh, we sold out every show. Brilliant. And we had to add shows in Sydney. And um, yeah, it was pretty great. Now, for someone who hasn't heard the dollop, how would you, how would you pitch it to them? Okay, so... I know a lot about American history, and I, I know a lot of weird facts and weird people. So, And I used to just sit around r- reading online all the time. <laughs> and I was like, well, why don't I do something about this? So so I started finding, I mean, they're, they're mostly obscure, but things that people don't know about. Or you can, you can find a story from American history that people know about, but then find tons of facts that they had no idea or part of that story, and I read it to my friend Gareth Reynolds, who is a really funny improv comedian. He does stand-up, but he's such a great improviser. And so I, I read him these stories that he has no idea what they're about, and he just reacts to it, and his reactions are, are pretty priceless. He's one of the funniest guys I've ever met, so it makes for a pretty fun podcast. And usually it's recorded... In, in the house or in, in the house? Yeah, or? You, we do different locations. If we do it in our office, we get echo and people get mad. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, we do it wherever we can, really. So in terms of the format working for, live, for a live show, what, what's it like, that difference in, in having the audience being able to react to the, sort of the riffing as it goes it's on? It's really interesting because there's things you... you know, when you're in your apartment doing it, you don't really think of what's hitting and what isn't. But when there's a live audience, you're like, oh, that didn't go well at all. Or that went much better than I thought it would. And then if things go well, then you just start to add to it. it as a comedian, it's just your natural instinct to just keep pushing it. Uh, so that that's definitely an interesting thing. And then we always have a guest when we do a live one. So they kind of add, you know, something that's not there for the, the regular ones. And the audience are sort of in there for the ride, presumably, as well, because they're not just reacting to you guys reacting to it. It's, they're also reacting to the history itself. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny. When we did the one at the L.A. Uh, PodFest, for me, as a comedian, you want tons of laughs. And I felt like it was getting boring. But then afterwards, people were like, no, the story was awesome. So we didn't care. Those parts where they're not laughing, but they're, they're listening to the story. So for me, that's a hard 
as a comedian, it's sort of a hard thing to for the live ones to come to grips with. Like sometimes they're just listening to the story and waiting until you know the next thing comes along that'll make them laugh. But it can go five minutes without them laughing. But it, it's a history story, so they're involved in the story. They're hooked in. Yeah, yeah. And with the the dollop touring to Australia, are there any other particular places that you want to investigate? Well. I mean, Sweden is popping up on our radars because we, with the the way the podcast host works, you can see where your your listeners are. So Sweden is we're starting to get a lot of listeners in Sweden for whatever reason, which is interesting. And then obviously you want to try England, and um, but we haven't done anything in the U.S. outside of L.A. yet. So a lot of people in the U.S. are getting mad. Yeah, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so we're going to try and set up a little U.S. tour, and and uh, we're doing one in Canada in December. Yeah. Do you reckon that the will it be a case of that say if you visit a certain state that the it will be a regional based story per state or will it be just as and I don't know that gets so hard but yeah I would try to do it um, yeah I would try to do it city specific yeah but that gets tough yeah well if if if, uh, if I can do anything to find any London stories I'll let you know I'll investigate please yeah I'm always looking for stories <laughs> so um, in regards to our audience being in the UK, I assume, that predominantly. Yeah. Where, uh, what, what's your experiences of coming over to the UK? Well, I mean, I've never, I've never done any sort of comedy or stand-up over there. Um, I thought, I'm always surprised by the classism that, yeah. that exists. It's even, I mean, I don't even think English people know how much it like permeates the, just their sort of everyday language. Yeah. I'm a big uh, football fan, so. When uh, what I always laugh when people talk about players and they're like that guy's in over his head and you're like it's I, you know you're doing there it's a little bit of classism yeah um, but uh, I I wish I had done some stand up when I was over there but I didn't have any chance to experience it but I think that um, I think that the English style of stand up is far better than the American style the doing the doing the 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 shows anyway like the one person shows the Edinburgh kind of mm. style the festival style I think it's much more um, of substance than American stand up I think the dollop would do really well at Edinburgh you think it would yeah definitely it would be awesome to get it going over there that's for sure is there um, is there any particular story that you've seen that is perhaps too controversial too too, too controversial yeah I stay away from uh, serial killers yeah <laughs> But there, uh, yeah, I mean, the other, the other one is, is politics gets a little dicey because uh, people, in America anyway, people are so polarized that they can get really mad and stop listening if you just touch upon some stuff. So that can get dicey. But uh, uh, besides serial killers and that, there's not really, and I won't do it. I, I try to completely avoid any sort of sexual yeah, assault stuff or stuff like that because people always send those ideas. I'm like, that's not really funny. <laughs> It's yeah. just kind of horrible. Although, on the other hand, I mean, for example, the Ferguson, Ferguson that was one, yeah. I mean, they're 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 funny, but they're insightful as well. Right? Yeah, the Ferguson one, uh, I feel like is one of um, one of the ones I'm more proud of. You know, uh, and that's one of those things where I sit around. That's when I can show off how much I sit around reading, yeah, and sort of and thinking about the whole the whole scope of something instead of just getting involved in what's happening, but. All the stuff that leads up to Ferguson is really interesting to me and where it's going. Um, yeah, and I'll probably do one on the... Uh, I'm working on one on the Iraq War, how ISIS was created. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's certain ones that, yeah, I think are... But they take a lot of work. Yeah. A lot of work. Is there any... Because I know that the LAPD 
history was a couple of a few parts. Um, yeah, four parts. Four parts. Is there any? Do you reckon there's any particular uh, dollop that you'd like to do that that would be the same kind of length? As well, the CIA Ooh. is. I don't even know. I mean, I, I, it's so enormous that I don't know how I I break it down into just a few. <laughs> Yeah, because the LAPD made sense, you know, time wise to me in my head. But the CIA, I mean, you could do I could do a whole year on the CIA, probably. Um, so there's certain ones that I would like to do. Also, kind of would like to do Scientology. I would also like to do Scientology, but that's also a really crazy big thing. Yeah. Um, and and it's <laughs> it's really that one's hard to focus. <laughs> yeah. And I suppose also you'd have to slog through a ton of stuff that you really don't want to ever read again. That's right. You know. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting. I uh, something I learned on a on a on a uh, tour bus here was how the Scientologists bought a lot of the uh, old huge buildings, which yeah. is more or less now why they own a lot. Yes. Something. Yeah, they did. Yeah. <laughs> They've done a lot of stuff here. Have you um, obviously because there 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 are some amazing characters in in the Dollop stories. Yeah. And have you found because um, some of them some of them are alive, some of them are still existing yeah. in the world today. Have you have you considered or or or, or had a, had a hunch that, that that would come back to you or or like if that's interesting. I've always wondered if I would do a, a dollop about someone if they would like the the one I was really concerned about is that we did one about um, a screenwriter here in Los Angeles named Eric Red who basically killed some people in a car accident and should have gone to prison. Yeah. And didn't, but that's a guy I was like, I wonder if this is going to come, I wonder if this is, this one's going to come back to, to haunt me. But so far, no one said anything, which is, kind of surprises me a little bit. But I, I feel like at some point someone will go, hey, that's about me. And I'll be like, eh. <laughs> Would you ever interview a, a, a living dollop? Yeah. We, you have to interview a living dollop. Is that what you said? Oh no! Would, would you ever? Would you ever interview? Oh, um, if I would interview yeah, one, would you? Would, would, like any any sort of previous dollop case? Is there? A, oh my god! Yeah, I mean, yeah. If if a guy if a guy reached out to me and wanted to talk about it, yeah, why not? I think people would be really interested in that. That'd be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> is the, the the guy from the? Want to say the Price is Right? Um, I think he's dead. Oh. Although I might be wrong. Inside. Dead inside. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely dead inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, back to the uh, PodFest then. It, it, you're, so you're not, you're not just uh, a contributor, of course. You're also one of the founding fathers, as it were. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was the guy who thought it up, the whole thing up. Yeah. How did that come about, sort of the, the conglomerate? Well, so I... I when that, this is when I was on Walking the Room, and I and when we we started doing live shows, and people were flying from all over the country and all over the world, and I was like, oh, this is actually a thing that could be sort of bigger. And then I, I quickly realized that like, if we didn't do it, if I didn't get together with other podcasters, a big corporation would come in and do it. And and the thing I hate about festivals is, um, particularly American festivals, is that. People don't get paid. They just bring you in and they put you up and they and then they make a bunch of money and it leaves. So, so I always wanted from the beginning. I was like, I would like to do a festival where the performers get paid. Yeah. And um and so Chris uh, Chris Mancini and Graham Elwood do a podcast called Comedy Film Nerds, and they and they are such hard workers. And I was like, I need guys who will like, sort of bust their ass because a lot of podcasters are uh, pretty lazy. Yeah. Um, so I knew that those guys weren't. So I contacted them, and uh, and then we 
not knowing how to run a festival. Then we contacted Andy Wood, who runs the Bridgetown Comedy Festival in Portland, and then we just sat down and talked about it. And we're like, all right, let's get this going. It took about a year and a half for the f- to get the first one because we did a Kickstarter, and then with that we we rented the hotel, and then like it, and then we had to sell tickets to to just to break even. So it was it was pretty pretty trying the first year but ever since then it's been kind of smooth sailing and in terms of it being based in los angeles uh, presumably that's because the a lot of the podcasters are based in mm-hmm. in the area what's kind of the connection between the comedians and the uh, in los angeles the los angeles comedy circuit what's the, between the the comedians and the podcast festival uh, yeah in terms of in terms of the fact that there's such a solid los angeles comedy community yeah so i mean obviously you either live here or you live in New York and in New York you it's a much smaller community and you get a lot of you can get a lot of stage time whereas out here you don't get a lot of stage time and then also in LA uh, at least before podcast started you would have to sort of wait around for Hollywood to go okay we'll give you something and so the reason podcasts start out here is because there were so many people that had moved here who weren't getting a break of any sort and nothing was happening with them. So that's why you see a lot of guys like Jimmy Pardo and Mark, Mark Maron was the same way. Like they just didn't really have anything going on and they're really funny people and they sort of deserve more. So they started the podcast and it is, and then everyone does their, each other's podcasts, like sort of that you go on everyone else's podcast and it definitely became a little community. It's funny because people in New York would make fun of how many people out here did podcasts and then they started doing podcasts. But it's definitely, um, it's definitely a, a product of the environment of a lot of people in Los Angeles who are very funny and talented that didn't have much to do. So they got to do their own thing. And then there's the freedom of someone not telling you what you can and can't do. That's the thing I think that needs to be looked at over in the UK is differentiating radio from podcasts because uh, a lot of the, uh, if you look at the charts in the UK... It's radio. BBC, BBC, BBC. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I mean, it's interesting because that's happening. The two things that are happening here are um, more more radio shows are are putting up their their shows into podcasts and that's happening in Australia too and the other thing that's happening is um, YouTubers so these kids who are on YouTube who make 7 million a year just not really doing anything yeah um, they're starting to do podcasts so you see them popping up on the chart but you also have you know with a show like um, uh, Serial you have more mainstream people sort of checking it out, and then their natural inclination is to go, oh, I can listen to my NPR show or my BBC show yeah. whenever I want. But I think eventually they'll start looking around and go, oh, I wonder what that is. Yeah. I wonder what that is. So eventually it should start to spread out a little bit more. And I think once they, once they find um, unfiltered you know, shows, I think it will change the way those people listen to, listen to podcasts, and they'll be more interested in that than the really overly produced sort of radio-y stuff. A lot of people I've spoken to have uh, mentioned Serial in terms of, it's a show that they don't necessarily like it, but they say that it's one that certainly had a big effect on building their audiences. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely came in and it well, it made people aware of the, because you still, I mean, I, I, I would love to know the percentage of people, but I'm still like, yeah, I, I do a podcast. Well, I don't know what that is. 
Or uh, you do a festival? Yeah, I do a festival. Yeah. So there's just so many people who have no clue, which is weird to me because with all the cell phones out there, you'd think people would, <laughs> people would have an idea. How would, you des- how would you describe a podcast to someone who asks you that question? I say that it's, it's like a radio show that you, get to, you do on your own and then you put it up and people can listen to it whenever they want. And they sort of get that, and then they go, "Where can how do where do I find it?" And you go, "iTunes, really? Yeah, that's the gen- that's the general conversation." And it goes back to freedom as well, the freedom to say what you want, and yet at the same time, something I've noticed is there doesn't really—I mean, unless I'm just not looking for it—but there doesn't really seem to be a negative aspect at all in that respect. I haven't sort of seen any niche podcasts where it's. Uh, some small community who are very angry and want to be like racist or sexist or horrible. It all seems very positive. Well, I mean, do you know who Anthony Comia is? No, I do not. <laughs> okay, so he is a guy. Um, he was on a show called Opie and Anthony in New York. Right. And he okay. got fired for being uh, basically racist. And he started his own podcast. And that's, he is pretty, I mean, now he just can say whatever he wants. And, God, wow. what was going on recently? There was some event going on, and I and someone goes, go watch his live stream right now, and it was just so racist and terrible. It might have been the riots in Baltimore. Oh, my God. And so, and so that's out there, and those people are going to find their audience. But I think overall, yeah, I think it's going to be much more positive. And, but those people will find their audience. They'll do podcasts, and they'll find their audience. Yeah, I, we have a couple of people in the UK who have started their podcasts and somehow people are listening to them yeah and I mean everyone has an audience even if they're racist you know yeah. or horrible there's there's people for everybody right and that's the thing I mean it's it's like like films I mean if if it's in the press or if it's if it's controversial in the press then more people listen to it and unfortunately then you get the thing where this niche thing that shouldn't have, should have just been buried yes goes up in the charts because everyone's going oh I wonder what this is about Check yeah it yeah it's <laughs> I mean, that's totally going to happen. There will be whites. I'm sure there's white supremacist podcasts right now. Well, the, the KKK podcast. Yeah. Right? Yeah, the KKK podcast. Pod cast. Right? Yeah. There's got to be a name for it, for sure. Or should it be like um, uh, something like White Hood Radio or something white like that? Ra- yeah, White Radio, I'm sure. I bet there's a place. I bet white there noise. is. White it is white noise, <laughs> um, but at the same time, I, I kind of want to hear what I kind of want to know what that would sound like at the same time. <laughs> I know, yeah. Um, well, I'm sure it'd be great. Yeah. Um, so, is there any particular podcasts? I mean, in between recording your own, is there any particular podcast that, that you'd recommend to other people to listen to? Oh, let me look. I look right on my. I look right on my phone right now. So, I'm a huge fan of Radio Lab, which is ironically one of those. I don't know if they do it on the. I don't know if they do it on the radio anymore. But uh, they were on NPR, mm. and you'll notice in America that NPR shows are a lot of the top podcasts because they were sort of already podcasts in the way they did radio. It's very much like a podcast. So Radio Lab is probably my favorite podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, Super Ego, yes, uh, is amazing. I listen to this guy, Bill Moyers, who's like an American journalist who actually talks about... They have long conversations about stuff. I find him really, really interesting. Um, uh, yeah, dude. I, 
I think I heard about that through like someone posted about one episode where it was really awkward. I can't remember. That oh, really? Oh no, that was sorry. That was you made it awkward. You made it weird <laughs> um, with Pete Holmes. I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, is that what his is? Yeah, it might be. Oh uh, yeah, dude. I think this. But I think what it was. I tried dipping into that because I I want to. I'm one of those people who wants to just get it from the get-go, from the starting point. Which, to be fair, that's what I do love about podcasting, is that you don't have to do that. You can dip into right. any episode. Um, but yeah, I try getting into that. I think it's like 300 episodes in at that point, or something. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how many how many episodes it's in now, but... Uh, I don't know. But, yeah, that's... What else do I have? Tofop, Crab Feast, and uh, Marin, WTF... I think that's it. In 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 I like to I listen to the comedians comedian with Stuart Goldsmith in uh England. Yeah, that's mostly the ones I'm listening to right now. You know, you also go in and out, you listen to one for a while and then you'll well, you move on to the next one. It also depends how much time you have on your own. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just a case of getting in the car and driving for no reason just so you can listen to podcasts. Yeah, I've done that. Oh, right. Well. <laughs> That's the, certainly the one. I would say the one benefit in Los Angeles that it's so far and wide, and across the states, is that there's a lot of opportunity to be commuting. <laughs> totally. And yeah, I know a, a lot of people in um, Australia who um, uh, listen to podcasts. They're always saying, "I'm laughing alone on the tram." Like, so that happens a lot. People are putting their headphones in, and then I, and then, and then they're just sitting there laughing. I was on a plane the other day, and I saw. I saw a guy with his headphones and he was totally cracking up and I wanted to go over and go, what podcast are you listening to? Because <laughs> you know he was listening to a podcast. Yeah. I think, I think, I think um, certainly in the UK as well, I've noticed more and more people are listening to podcasts. Yeah. Um, I think the Marin Obama episode did the same thing as Serial did. It made more people, certainly in the UK, aware of podcasts. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And of course... Um, Howl.fm is is, yeah. is sort of the first they're calling it the Netflix of yeah the Netflix of, of podcasts. podcasts we're on a network called All Things Comedy oh okay yeah yeah, yeah. so it's the, but that's more like a co-op like it's a bunch of we, we sort of grouped up because we didn't because if you join certain networks they take 50% of your profits which to me it's like no one's making that much unless you're a Marin or whatever, you're not making that much money. So it seems weird to me that you give away what little you're making. So we sort of formed a co-op, All Things Comedy. Mm. Um, and it's, it's doing well. Like people are, there's a lot of industry attention on it because of what we are. So I, I think what it was is, I think the reason I potentially didn't pick up on that was because unlike, say, The Nerdist, which has its jingle, for example, uh-huh. I seem fun uh, uh, for Jen Kirkman. For example, I know that's on All Things Comedy just because I I sort of downloaded directly from yeah. But it didn't. It didn't. There's no like brand. There is not a brand. No, no. you're right. Yeah, which which is interesting because it gives it. I mean, not to denounce any any network, but it, I guess being part of a network that doesn't really promote itself in that way that it right it lets the content speak for itself. Yeah, we don't. We it's more like um, I mean I, I don't know how to describe it. Like you know they. They help out with advertisements if you want to do advertisements. And then we do some live shows. And it's just sort of building up the brand and making people aware of it. And there's some talk of doing a tour and stuff like that. So it's just kind of it's just kind of getting the word out that, like, these people are working together and these podcasts are part of a group. Because eventually the way podcasting will go is you'll, you'll get into your car. You know, Ford will make a deal with Earwolf. And Earwolf, you'll press a button and all the podcasts will come up. Like yeah. that's that's where this is going to go. So, 
it makes sense to join a network. It doesn't make sense to me to join a network that takes a bunch of your money. Mm. But if you all come together, then you can be one of those groups that, say, a Ford will reach out to and go, can we use your network? Yeah, so. My theory is airlines. Yeah, airlines is definitely a thing that's coming. Yeah. Yeah, especially like Virgin, because they have those channels that uh, they take... They take a little more risks, and they don't have like filters on what can be heard, and yeah. And then put out internationally, across the world, every day to different people, yeah, trying out different things. And presumably, that that would be a situation where they would give enough budget back that you could have, say, get particular guests on and things like that. People, oh, that you know, so and so's on that. Yeah, yeah, and, totally. It's it's gonna be interesting to see where it goes. You know, how do you find that with advertising and podcasting? That um, I don't. I mean, we've done advertising. And I, I really only like to do advertising for companies that I really like. Like well, a long time ago, I was contacted by a guy who works for GoDaddy. Yeah. And he was like, uh, hey, I, I want to, I listen to your podcast. I really like it. I'd like to advertise on it. And I just said, I don't like your company's policies. <laughs> yeah. And so I don't want to do that. I never, he never said anything. But I, yeah, like we recently did a, a mattress company and they gave, they gave me a mattress wow. and I slept on it. I was like, well, this is an amazing mattress. Yeah. And so that I did. I did that because uh, I really liked it. But I, I don't know. I don't like advertising, uh, uh, really. Mm. I feel like when I hear it on podcasts, uh, it, it takes away from the sort of personal feel of it. But I get that, you know, we do need to make money and so on and so forth. I think there's a creative way to do it. I think that some people just read it, and I think if you're doing a podcast, and you're, especially if you're a comedian, you should try to wait a way to make it funny or interesting. A thrilling adventure hour for the podcast festival, because we had everyone read an audible uh, thing, um, and they worked it into the show. Yes, yeah, and stuff like that is sort of what is great about podcasting. Like that's perfect, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a there's positives and negatives to it. I noticed uh, Paul F. Tompkins does that quite well in Spontaneous yes. as well. Yeah, and there's like, Welcome to Night Vale also do. Oh, one. they do that too. Yeah. yeah, I mean it makes sense. And we could do it on the dollop. Like I could throw stuff in in the middle of a story, and it would probably work seamlessly. I totally forgot to do it for um, the podcast festival that I run <laughs> for my podcast, so I had to drop them in later. Yeah. So. If you mention the mattress in every episode, do you get a different mattress every time? I wish. (laughs) Royalty mattresses. (laughs) Just got the one. Man, it's a good mattress, though. Every time someone listens to it, you get a free mattress. Yeah. That'd be good. So, I guess, in in closing, I suppose, what would your advice be for people who are looking out, seeking out to host their own show or create their own show? It's really hard. I mean, we've sort of reached a... a, uh, a period where there's so many podcasts that it's it's difficult now to stand out. I think you cannot do one where you're just sitting around joking with your friends anymore, which is what I think they all were at the beginning. That's sort of why I started The Dollop, because I had a podcast where I just sat around with my friend and talked to him, and now I feel like you have to have very solid content and a really sort of unique idea. And I think any unique idea can at some point catch on um, it's just it's just so hard to get people to listen, but the way to get people on your podcast is to have people who have successful podcasts to come on and do an interview or be on your podcast. And I think most I think most podcasters, because of of the way it works and and why we're all doing it, most of us agree to do people's podcasts because you're like, well, yeah, why wouldn't you? I mean, it's an hour or whatever of my time and. 
and it gives back to the people who are you know helping out and also we're all like i said we all came from the fringe like we nothing was going on with us before podcasting so you know it makes sense that we would say yes to people's podcasts and is there a fe- what's, what's the future for podcasting as well for you personally it's it's really interesting i mean i think that it is going to they, they, someone wrote an article saying that it's never going to become really big but I I disagree. I think that, like I said, I think that it'll be on um, your TV. It'll be you know with all the apps and stuff. You'll have you'll have your app you can hit, and I think it'll be in. It's definitely going to be in cars. You'll check in a hotel. There'll be a thing you can do it there. Like I think it's going to be everywhere. And I think once that happens, I think people will be introduced to it on another level, and it'll just become sort of common. Um, it's always going to be. Niche, though, in the sense that or I don't know if it's a niche, but no podcasts are going to have really massive audiences. You know, it's not going to be like a TV show mm. where it's got millions of people watching. But you don't need that because with a TV show, there's so many people making money off of it that if you have a podcast that's moderately successful, you can make a, a much better living than you would working on that TV show. So it sort of democratizes everything. So I, I just think that eventually everyone's going to know about them and everyone's going to have podcasts they like and there won't be really enormous ones, but it'll be really good for artists and creative people. Dave Anthony, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Once again, a huge thank you to Dave Anthony for being a guest on PodPit. On the 12th of December, the dollop invades Canada at the Fox Cabaret in Vancouver. And on the 24th of January, Walking the Room returns for a live show in San Francisco. Go to DaveAnthonyComedy.com for further details and dates. And of course, in a few moments' time, go to thedollop.libsyn.com and check out The Dollop on Facebook and follow the show on Twitter via at the dollop, at Dave Anthony, and at Reynolds Gareth. And thank you for listening to this episode of PodPit. If you'd like to get in touch, do so via admin at podnose.com. Podpit returns in two weeks' time, in which I'll be talking to Scott Ockerman, host of Comedy Bang Bang and co-founder of the Earwolf Network. Bye for now. PodPit is part of the Podnose Podcasting Network. Hosted, edited and produced by George Grimwood. Visit us at www.podnose.com and get in touch via admin at podnose.com. <laughs>